don't think my ADHD meds have been working. No? No. No. Um, there's been some talk online about the particular brand I take. Yeah, I, I'm aware that some brands in the US... I don't know if there's any if if it's legit, but I I've been hearing the rumblings of like, hey, the U.S. you know the U.S. government is making it harder to like limiting the amount of the medication they can actually produce, and maybe they're just spreading it a little thinner to make the number of tablets they're trying to make. Yeah, the, the um, amount of med they have. There is a like a, a a bit of a disconnect between what the U.S. federal government is allowing. Uh, pharmaceutical companies to produce in terms of Adderall and the necessity that has, uh, you know, I mean, I think the pandemic woke a lot of people up to uh, maybe having this issue. The diagnoses are are going up significantly and and it's going up in adults. That's the big, it used to be a thing that we just concerned ourselves with kids and we're finding, oh, wait a minute, every, you know, there's a lot of people that have these problems. Kids, kids that have it grow into adults that have it. And, and you're going to realize adults are out there with it. But mm-hmm. Yeah, no, there, there are some, there are some brands that I've been seeing some people going, yeah, it just stopped working and like, I can't prove it, but maybe they're just putting less in because they're not allowed to put more in. Well, I mean, out out here, people have had difficulty even getting their prescriptions filled at oh, all. God, I've I've been having that over here. Yeah. Now, I need to possibly go back to the drawing board anyway, maybe try a non-stimulant, because yeah. even when my current medication was working out, I had to put in extra work to make sure that it actually worked. Like, I had to focus myself before I took it, um, which is sort of mm. when it's when it's meds to get you to focus, having to focus first uh, without yeah. it, it's, you know, not ideal. It adds another layer of difficulty. Another layer of difficulty. I've known some people on the non-stimulant ones who've gotten on great. The only thing that's fun with the non-stimulant ones, for them to be effective, you have to take them every day at the exact time, which is one of those things that's really hard to do when you've got ADHD, is to reliably never miss a dose, have them the same time all the time. And a pretty freewheeling schedule, generally speaking. Right. Yeah. So the overall point is that I took my meds like a good little pill popper, like yeah, I I've got quite a bit to do this week. I really didn't need to waste time the other day, so I took my meds and had a plan. And I was on what should have been the easy part of the plan: just play some of that fucking Jedi game, so that I can review <laughs> it. Just play some of the Jedi game. It's not particularly interesting, which is a struggle, but less than halfway into my the time I had given myself to do it, I was instead on my phone writing down a list of Discord channels that I might do if I were to do my own Discord server. The document started off well enough. There's a channel for videos, writing, podcasts, wrestling, you know, um, video games, you know, the usual stuff. And then right at the end, and this is where I spent... The thing I spent most on that day was Sad Bertha's Lilt Liberation Dream Cavern. 
Entrepreneur, psychic and wanted fugitive Sad Bertha invites the public to have their dreams interpreted in a magical cavern owned and operated by a separatist faction of the Coca-Cola company that's philosophically opposed to the rebranding of Lilt as a mere Fanta flavour. Which genuinely did shock me. Bertha provides life lessons and tips for eluding law enforcement while users describe their last recently remembered dream. Dreams are interpreted according to three broad but descriptive categories. Strength, emotion and totally tropical. Each interpretation comes with a series of tasks users must complete before the moon grows fat and the ocean cherub sings once more, obviously. Successful completion of these tasks wins their choice of an imitation crystal maze crystal or a copy of Hollow Man on DVD. Before they are permitted to leave the dream cavern, all parties must swear an oath to honour the memory of those two Jamaican lasses from the old Lilt Ladies adverts. That is what I did on my ADHD medication, which I had to get private. (laughs) I guarantee you, though, if you were to make a Discord and that was one of the channels, that would be the only channel anyone would use. That would be the only channel that was in demand. Everyone would be like, no, I need my dreams interpreted. It's not a workable concept. No, it's actually going to be like a lot of cost in terms of time and effort to maintain. It would be a full-time job. It would be my new job. And, you know, I'm, I'm always entertaining the possibility of career changes. Who isn't in these, you know, free wheeling, dealing times? But I don't know. I, I don't know if there's longevity to the career of producing Sad Bertha's Lilt Liberation Dream Cavern. <laughs> I don't know what that is. I mean, obviously, Jonathan Holmes would be involved with it well, somehow. But that's... It's not a workable concept. And I'm behind on my work now. I mean, look, if you want to try and make it work, I, I'm happy to offer my moon goddess uh, experience to try and interpret on the dreams. I've, I've got some... Some celestial insights I can offer. We can, we can, make, we can make this That's work. That's true. I'll tell you what. Get your people to get in touch with Sad Bertha's people. They're a little hard to track down. They're in any number of safe houses across the state of Maine. Well, Sad Bertha's people are welcome to get in touch with my people. My people are located on the far side of the moon. I don't know if, if Sad Bertha's people have uh, the I, transport to get there. I don't know if they've got... Yeah, I don't know if any of their dead drops are on the moon. Uh, that's that's unfortunate. We, we, we'll see what happens. Uh, I'll have a word with Lloyd. He, he, he saw Sad Bertha last. So, uh... On some level, though, I think we do have to acknowledge that the meds did work. <laughs> oh, it's, I was fixated, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, the, it's the beautiful thing that you have to try and explain to people who don't have ADHD about getting medicated for ADHD is... You you have focus and dedication, thanks to the meds, but there is an entirely separate skill which is pointing that at something. <laughs> and some days, you just, like, misalign the targeting laser and, like, I guess I'm focused on this today. And generally, it's fine. It's a case of, yeah. you know, I'll set, the, I'll set the objective before I take the dose. So it's, you know, I will write this thing, then I'll really sort of commit to that, take the meds, and I can do I take the meds and I'm like, I have to start now. And it like in about 30 minutes, I need to be doing this because then this will be what I stick on. Yeah. And normally that works out fine, but it has not been working out lately, which is why things like Sad Bertha happen. And I am in dire straits. Like it's taking me like three days to do a one day job lately. 
And that is not like me. Um, I've got a, a freelance gig I've got going on, and I've never in my life had to ask for an extension. Never once in my fucking life. And I have, and it's crushing me. And it's, I can't get this fucking brain to work. ADHD is, like, I'm terrified by the amount that I can't do. Or, or rather, I can do, but I can't make, I can't make myself do it. I can't lasso that bit that yeah. needs to do it. And it's terrifying. That you can't mentally tie a rope between yourself and the task. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah, I can spend an hour working on, is it a TV show? Look. Is it just I, a Discord server? Is it a, a lifestyle? I don't know look, what it is. I I promise you I understand this, because you know what I spent an entire day doing last week? And I this is the most proud I've been of a, of a thing I've made in a while, but uh. it's completely fucking pointless. I made a video about my groundbreaking theory about the Legend of Zelda series timeline, and how secretly... Uh, the fact that some of the games have Link be right-handed is not just because of motion controls, that there is a secret left-handed, right-handed, and ambidextrous Link timeline split that Nintendo doesn't want you to know about. Oh. I I had the moment where I realised that in one of the official Legend of Zelda timeline splits, every single game has uh, Link ambidextrous, and I was like, ha, huh, and that never happens in any other timeline. Must be canon I'd better invest time into this. Bet you need to, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so now I can tell people that the adult Link timeline is the left-handed timeline. Uh, Majora's Mask splits the timeline into GameCube and Wii Twilight Princess because of bigotry around left-handedness that comes as a result of Terminus destruction in uh, Timeline Loop. And then Ambidextrous Timeline is the one where Link dies because Link dying in Ocarina of Time but the other two timelines existing makes no fucking sense. And at that point, yeah, why not just make him fucking Ambidextrous? Why the hell not? Now, that's what I spent time on last week. Imagine everything that Laura and I have said so far, right? Starting uh, like, like that... What we've said, starting at two in the morning and going on for hours, <laughs> and that's what yeah. it's like living with somebody with ADHD. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's the hey, I've had a thought and I can't dislodge it, so um, I, I so I now just it's just yours. Come out. Yeah, yeah, now now it's the world's problem. Here is my red string conspiracy theory board about how um. Skyward Sword being the start of the timeline and having right-handed Link, but then going to left-handed Link as a subversion of the left-handed evil trope in various ways. You, you got to follow me on my, my weird conspiracy Absolutely. theory board, because that's where the ADHD I'm on board. Went. I'm on board. Oh. There is a version of our mutual partner, Phoenix, called... I, I've dubbed them 2AM Fee. <laughs> where roughly about 2AM, that's where the long diatribes about, like, what what if pears had teeth come from and, and i'm trying to sleep and and it's difficult because i've got adhd but their adhd has got them going on at two in the morning about you know what if they did that thing where they put bamboo in you and grow stuff into you but it went right up your bum like i, I mean I, I i was i was recording i was recording uh, uh dungeons and dragons podcast last night and i got to bed at 2 a.m and at 3 30 i was still uh, there is a character in this most recent campaign we've been doing that is the, the whole joke is that every time we describe them we add on more random modifiers to the description that we just left out previously and I spent like an hour and a half just sat there going 
what if what if uh, uh tentacles but they were coiled up and were eyes what about that excellent <laughs> excellent <laughs> The other uh, fucking day, I had a fucking assignment on writing for a video game. One that exists, right? And instead of doing it, I wrote the plot synopsis and character bios for a game that doesn't exist. <laughs> for one I just made up that second. When I had an actual game that I'm on the clock for. I've got that on the go. I'm literally doing something for a game. And instead of that, I'm doing something that is not a game. Speaking of being on Fucking the clock hell. in video games. Yes. Uh, hey, welcome to Podquisition. It's, it's supposedly a video game podcast. We talk about games we've played and stuff like that. Uh, who's played anything this week? Um, We have played video games, I guess. We could confirm yeah. that. Video yeah. games. I've... Yeah played small amounts of video games and then a video game that I'm not sure how much I'm going to talk about today. I have yeah. played small amounts of video games also. Like, there's an extent to which, obviously, we could talk about yeah. some things. Um, I mean, Steph and I played one of the same games. We did. Um, we did. I haven't written it down, but I have also, like, a little bit of that. Yeah, so we, we played that Redfall. Yes, I've mm. spent most of today on that. That's a video game. Boy, oh boy. It, Just, it is. Yep. That's, um... <sighs> boring. It's incredibly boring. It's about as bog standard as a video game gets, isn't it? It's yeah. just, here is a video game. Here are guns, here are enemies, here are objectives. Have fun, I guess. I really don't know how you make a premise that seemed that interesting feel so... Yeah. I thought it was like Left for Dead. That's sort of the impression I got. Like, when it was announced, I thought it was like Left 4 Dead, and instead it's like nothing. I, I thought it was like Left Left 4 Dead, but with zombies and superpowers. And I was like, cool, that seems like a great premise. And then that's not really what this is. No, instead of, instead of what if Left 4 Dead, but vampires, it's what if the most generic game in the world, but vampires. It's just a, a map with objectives on it and and guns of various rarities because of course and you shoot mostly people with guns and then occasionally a vampire just like runs at you head first like headlong at you and and occasionally swipes at you the ai in that game is i sorry i couldn't finish the sentence because there is none pretty atrocious it's particularly atrocious when you compare it to like Arcane's previous stuff. Mm. It feels like it's lacking in a lot of the ways that their games are usually very polished. The more you start thinking about like, oh yeah, no, what this studio usually does and what this is, it just feels kind of farted out. Yeah. Yeah. Like and, and even by Arcane's by any standards. Yeah. It's so I threadbare, I guess is what I would call it in the, it's certainly in the mechanics department. It's yeah. it it's not quite... I, I don't know if I'd be so damning as to call it a minimum viable product, but it's fucking close. It's certainly not we gave it up. It, it doesn't feel like they were given the time to give it their all. It feels like Dead Island without the melee. Yeah. 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 That's the vibe I get off of it. That just sort of, okay, we're plopping you in here and we're giving you, you know, directives. And yeah, you'll find some other little shit along the way. 
it's more empty. Yeah, it's a stripped-down Dead Island, which is not a great place to be in. Like, it ain't got the crafting or, like, status effects or... And the, the vampires are not... Not inch, and this should be the most interesting part of it. And like you go through that tutorial section at the beginning, where you have to make your way to what will be your hub base and clear it out, and you're dealing with largely you know all human opponents up to that point, and then there's a vampire in the basement, and you're like, oh, all right, okay, here we go. Now we're gonna have the vampire fight, and so this is gonna be some kind of you know, boss or, boss encountery type deal. And, and no, I went down there, I shot them twice with a shotgun, yeah. stuck them with a stake, and it was over. And, yeah. and, and uh, it was deflating. And then when you get out into the wider world, the world's just lousy with vampires. Yeah. They're you fucking everywhere. what's funny about that is the first few vampire fights were difficult for me because I was trying to play along. I thought the vampires were a threat. I didn't realize (laughs) they weren't. So I was like taking more damage than I should have and like finding it difficult to deal with the vampires because I was taking them seriously. I didn't just stand there and shoot them. I was like, oh, I better be careful. Let's keep distance. Let's um, pop off shots where we can. And so the vampires had the advantage because I was trying not to give them an advantage. Yeah. I I was I was in the same boat. Like the the secret is just keep pressure on them and they're not that much of a threat. But the second you give them an inch that's what causes them to be a problem. As soon as you realize like just just don't back down and shoot them, they're really not that bad. Yeah. And that's before you get the guns that are designed to kill vampires. <laughs> Cuz You've got, like, your regular, your handguns, your assault rifles, and some of the 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 guns have uh, stakes attached, which is the only way to kill a vampire. You know, you shoot them till their health's gone. They'll stand there in, like, a Mortal Kombat fatality thing, and then you just stab them with the, the stake. And that is sort of an interesting dynamic. Yeah, I like that on some level. Yeah, That's, yeah. but the vampires are still really easy. You know, you right. just stand there, shoot them, and then walk up to them and melee them, basically. And that's them at, That's them being really easy. And that's before you get guns literally designed to shoot stakes or UV light. Like, things that are designed to kill them without the melee bit. Yeah. I assume the flare gun also functions in this fashion. I have yes. all of these weapons. I have used none of them because I have felt absolutely no practical need to i have a shotgun with a stake on the end i'm good yeah i made myself use them i forgot i had the stake launcher for ages and forgot about it made myself use it and you just shoot a vampire twice and it's (laughs) done no 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 melee needed you just shoot it twice the uv light thing uh you keep it trained on them for a not very long then they freeze then any point of damage will shatter them the flare is less reliable than those. It does damage over time, and then, you know, if it ticks their health to zero, they'll burn up. Otherwise, all of them viable. I fought some of the um, elite vampires. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a proper boss yet, but there are these ones that cast to darkness, basically. And, right. Um, a, a sin eater, which 
it died so fast, I don't know what it does. It had the coolest looking visual design out of any of these fucking things I've seen so far, but I'll be damned if I know. Like, is it just like a proximity explosion enemy? I can't figure it out. Yeah, yeah, it died before I could get a a good look at it even. Yeah, it's so, it's so mundane. You go to these houses that you can enter in through windows and there will be vampires in them. But, like, you get to the window, and the vampire's just, like, hanging out, literally hanging out, Mm -hmm. floating above the ground in front of the window. And it's like, all right, break glass, shoot vampire, go downstairs. Oh, there are more vampires down here standing in front of fucking windows, just standing in front (laughs) of fucking windows. Yeah, they don't do anything. No. Um, Sometimes they don't do anything if you're killing their friends. Yeah. Um, Like... The cultists, like, just guys with guns, basically. Um, if you've got a sniper rifle, you're fucking laughing. Um, I stood in a parking lot full of cultists and just aimed at one, popped its head off, aimed at another, popped its head off. All of them are, like, no more than 50 yards apart, and they're not reacting they're not reacting to the sound of a sniper rifle going off. They're not reacting to their friends dying. It's hard even to make the game difficult for yourself. Yeah, that's that was what I was observing. I expected, especially in these games that seem designed for co-op, because I have zero interest in co-op or yeah. online play or any of that shit. And I, so my expectation is I'm going to go in here and I'm going to wind up feeling a little bit frustrated, you know, like a back for blood situation. Yeah. Um, yeah. And no, no, I just was felt bored and unchallenged. Yeah. Yeah. There are cars that you can loot. Uh, some of them are rigged with like car alarms. Oh, that's I've been, I haven't encountered a car alarm yet. Yeah, I've encountered quite a few. Um, in my experience... Maybe one of the ten to a dozen car alarms I triggered actually alerted anything. Well, so like real car alarms. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Quality comment on the state of society. The fucking state of it. The fucking state of it, folks. Mm. I thought it was Fanta just copying the lilt flavor i didn't realize the coca-cola company discontinued lilt and had rolled it into fanta as as a flavor and they're not even calling it lilt flavored fanta they're just calling it pineapple and grapefruit so that's where we're at with society which is just not gone to the dogs it's gone to the dogs you know um and that is is and that's where redfall belongs redfall yeah (laughs) fucking hell (sighs) i'll say this it's it's easy to play. Yeah. Like, it's it's playable in that I can put that on and just play it for my job without having to think about it. And then I can write my review. It's an easy job. I'll give it that. Mm. Fuck it now. Boy, well, yeah, I, I really think Microsoft did uh, Sony fans a favor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because it's just, it's, it's save the effort. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad it's on Game Pass. Yeah, me no too. No one yeah. should have to buy Oh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't yeah. have played it otherwise. No. Oh, and I guess the, the single player is always online. That's cool. Is it? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, it is. Yeah. 
Sweet. Because they need you to be online to try and sell you stuff, because, you know, that's how these games work. Yeah. I don't know what the monetization is on it, if if any. I've not gone looking, but I believe there's you, there's stuff you can I've buy. I've seen too. a lot of skins in the menu, but they seem unlockable. Um, yeah. But I'm not sure. I'll have to dig uh, into I, I look at these things being looter shooters, and my brain just assumed that I could spend money to buy stuff. It's always a safe assumption. It's that if, genre. Yeah. If not now, then later down the line. Yeah, give it a few weeks. They'll patch it in. So, I'm not going to talk about a game this week. I'm going to talk about some like silly nonsense that I found fascinating to watch unfold. Okay. So that that new Zelda game, Tears of the Kingdom, it's meant to be out on May twelfth. It it's just out there. Um, yeah. Copies are being sold on like online auction sites. You, it's not that hard to get a hold of a copy, and also it's just. It's just out there on the internet as well. Um, this has been the case for a while with uh, Nintendo first-party releases. Somewhere between a week and ten days before release, they all end up showing up online, and Tears of the Kingdom has been no no exception. And, you know, no no spoilers here. You're not going to get spoiled if you're waiting for, for end of next week to play it. But I do want to talk about, like, the weird, fascinating little thing that popped up around this game hitting the internet, because I'm genuinely fascinated by the long con someone played, and I want to tell a story about it. Mm-hmm. So, go back to tail end of last week. A couple of copies are starting to show up online. People are overpaying over the odds to get a hold of copies. Monday morning, I think it was Monday morning, someone, like, footage starts showing up of the game. Cutscenes, little bits of people running around. It's clear someone's got got their hands on the game. And it turns out there's someone streaming Tears of the Kingdom in some Discord server, and they're playing it in an emulator, which means, like, oh, not only is the game out there, someone's ripped it to a ROM, like there's a ROM that could go circulating. And this is the first anyone's seen of this game leaking, is this person just sat there playing it in an emulator. And this person sort of goes, give me a minute, everyone. And, like, sort of implies that he's about to just, like, hit upload on the on the ROM and put the game on the internet, which is a bold fucking move when your, like, name is attached to it. Yeah. Right? And then, you know, uh, eventually he goes, it's out there now, enjoy. And all of the all of the illegal download sites suddenly have Tears of the Kingdom. 16 gigs, it's, it looks like the right size. It's been put up by these sites. It's like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's obviously the right thing. People download 16 gigs of uh, thing and download it on, uh, put it on their hacked switches. It was not Tears of the Kingdom. This person had managed to get a hold of Tears of the Kingdom, play it in an emulator, be the only one doing it, all to set up trolling people. What people got if they loaded this 16 gigs of download onto their Switch was a 2D animation of a very poorly drawn Ganondorf singing uh, a Spanish song called Suavemente. Uh, in a in a in an automated robotic voice that had been made in Unity, so it could like run on the Switch, uh, and it had Tears of the Kingdom as its like the name of the game and like the the right box art on it. Um, and it is a song in which uh, this this uh, text to speech voice Ganondorf is singing essentially. Kiss me softly, I want to feel your lips kissing me one more time. Kiss me softly, just over and over and over. While a CGI Link just sort of dances near him. I am, in this <laughs> moment, I am delighted. Right? And, like, this is what I wanted to talk about this week, is I have so much respect 
for the long con that had to be pulled off for that joke. Mm -hmm. Which is someone got a hold of a copy, put it in an emulator purely so people could go, oh, you've got you've got the ROM, you're gonna upload it. And then got a bunch of desperate people to download dancing Link and Ganondorf singing about wanting to passionately kiss. Uh, um... So, that's a beautiful thing that happened. Anyway, Tears of the Kingdom's out there, and if you want to avoid spoilers, uh, good luck with that, because that, that game is just out there. Uh, people were streaming it on Twitch this week with like thousands of people just watching the game get played. It is a situation Nintendo has done nothing about and can do nothing about. Uh, until they release new hardware, so yeah, that that continues to be the weird situation around Nintendo games. But at least this time, there's a story of very poorly animated Link and Ganon wanting to make out on your Nintendo Switch. <laughs> oh god, I'm yeah. fucking thrilled, fucking thrilled yeah. about that. Yeah, it's 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 it's. The video there's video footage on YouTube of what people loaded up. It's it's a delight to see. Anyway, Steph, you played some other things this week. I have played some other things. Yeah, what, what have you been playing this week? I played the Jedi game. Yeah. Jedi, is it Fallen Survivor or just Survivor or what? Uh, Jedi I, Survivors? I think it's, is it Jedi, just Jedi, Star Wars Jedi Survivor? Is there even a Jedi in Jedi Survivors? Yeah, yeah, Jerome from yeah. Gotham is, uh... Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's just called Jedi Survivor. He yeah. is a Jedi. Yeah. So you but so you're not like trying to find a Jedi, and there isn't actually one in the game. No, he is 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 a is a proper Jedi. You're, what's his name? Your Cal 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 Kestis. Cal Kestis. Sorry, Cal Katan, I think is a different Jedi in a Star Wars game. Yeah. The the series does love its alliterative names. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's. There's something off about it. There's something off about the game. Um, I don't remember the combat feeling quite as unreliable in the original, in um, Fallen Order. I don't recall the hair physics being like the WWE 2K games. Like, the hair is constantly trying to escape from his head when he runs. And the running animation itself is strange. I was streaming it last night and chat kept rem remarking on how weirdly robotic he moved. The physics are not particularly reliable, which is a bit of a problem when there's a lot of platforming in between fights. I'd have to go back and, and double check, but I don't remember the combat being quite as... Uh, I don't want to keep using the word unreliable, but like, Cal struggling to close the gap between himself and enemies, and the blocking doesn't feel quite as responsive as it needs to be. It's slightly off, and, and I can't quite put my finger on it. Like, all of those elements don't quite explain how slightly not right the game feels to play. I mean, when it's working just fine, it's fine. It's another one. Another one of those sort of what-if Star Wars but Dark Souls very, very light. You run around, you hit things with a lightsaber, you can pull people, you can push people, you can Jedi mind trick people, all that shit. I find the non-game bits more interesting than the game bits. Uh, there's a cantina and um, various NPCs over the course of the game will sort of join you and hang out there. 
and you can get a weird little walrus starfish thing uh, to jump in different bits of water and get fish and you can fill an aquarium with fish if you want. Um, I find that stuff interesting, uh, moderately. Uh, the actual gameplay, the actual running around hitting things with a lightsaber, I could take or leave. It's not quite as dreary and dull and minimal as Redfall, but it's not exciting. I've not had a particularly thrilling time with it, and I don't know if I've even got anything else to say. Uh, well, I could talk about the technical stuff. Uh, this is part of a discussion at the moment about the recent spate of terrible PC ports. Now, terrible mm. PC ports have always been a thing, but people have been really vocal about it lately. This is just the latest in a long line of shit PC ports. I've not played the PC version. I've played the PS5 version, and I'm not impressed with that. Uh, it's got screen tearing, which... I could count on one hand in my entire games reviewing career the amount of times I've seen a console game with screen tearing. Mm. I think a patch has fixed it, but disabling motion blur tanks the frame rate at launch. But the frame rate itself is not consistent. Uh, there are loading times for little things like getting into the small cantina. You've got to stand there and wait for the game to load before the door opens, which... On the PS5, with its, oh, hey, no more loading, like, it's it stands out, because bigger games than this are getting away with far less loading. There is just something shoddy about the game. There's just this overall aura of, yeah, shoddy, a bit cobbled, certainly not polished. It's not the most broken game in the world, at least... The PS5 version isn't. It's not super duper broken, but every element of it is just a bit not great, just a bit wonky, which is a shame. You know, the first game was pretty decent. I enjoyed the fact that the first one was a success because it was one of them ones where a game that people wanted did well. A game that nobody had ever said they didn't want did well when they got another one and EA was surprised by it. Where it's like, people like Star Wars for its universe and its story and its characters. And EA was surprised that a story-driven Star Wars game sold well instead of one of their live service bits of crap. Like, yeah. Funny that. Like, sure, you know, put out your Battlefront. People like the Battlefront. But when you think of, like, classic Star Wars games, like... People like their fucking stories. People like yeah. like Knights of the Old Republic. Or I used to like the Jedi Academy games when I was a kid. It amazes me that Star Wars, having a story-driven game, surprised EA with its success. Well, they may have rightly observed the quality of Star Wars storytelling over the years. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, well, you know, it's... <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> but in terms of what, you know... Right. In terms of what the audience wants. Those fans like. Um, <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's just a, sh a shame. The game isn't terrible. I don't know if it's truthful if I say I'm in I've enjoyed it. I don't know. I've tolerated it. I've not had a miserable time. I've not been enthralled by it. 
but whatever enjoyment it could have had is is let down by the fact that uh, there's such a consistent not rightness to it, not finishedness to it, that it gives a weird atmosphere. I have one thing about this game that has annoyed me, and it's not the game itself. It is a repeated issue I see so often with coverage of a certain thing. Jedi Survivor has an arachnophobia mode, which is really great. Yeah. Um, one of the big problems I know for a lot of people is that the first uh, the first game, Fallen Order, had some really big spider-like enemies, and that was like, nope, can't do this, was like a stopping point for a bunch of people with a fear of spiders. Mm-hmm. This game has a, a setting where you can replace spiders with a thing that looks less like a spider but is the same difficulty of enemy. Great. Fantastic. Every single fucking article on the internet about this uses a picture from Fallen Order of whatever the fucking character's name is fighting a giant spider as their header image and fails to show a picture of what the replacement for the spiders looks like. None of them make the effort to go and turn on arachnophobia mode, go find a spider enemy and go, this is what it looks like instead of a spider and use that instead of a spider. They all just put, here's the Jedi fighting a big spider as their big header image and nothing other than, it changes the appearance. Fucking show people what it, what the not spider looks like instead of going, oh, I, I want to know about this mode that might be helpful for me. Fuck, you showed me a big spider. Yeah, that's 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 the part that galls yeah. me, and is like, that they put yeah. the header image of a spider in a post about arachnophobia. And I'm not surprised it happened, no. because, like, I don't know if you remember this, um, Grounded, the Bethesda, oh, sure. yeah. you're all shrunken down in the garden game. It was one of the first sort of big deals when it came to arachnophobia yeah. modes. and I'm, it's great that they put that mode in there. In the trailer in which they announced arachnophobia <laughs> mode, they sh- they made a joke of showing spiders. They showed spiders in the trailer where they're talking about arachnophobia mode. Yeah. Like, no one who reports on these things, or even makes, like, the announcements about them within companies, takes the mode seriously. It's great that it exists, but if you're reporting on one of these modes, don't fucking show spiders anywhere on the post. Like, I don't have arachnophobia, but it pisses me the hell off. Yeah. Like, I've been counting the sites going, yep, no, everyone of you's used the spider image. Of course you have. Ah, little rant over there we go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, but no, absolutely fair, though. Well, I played Lollipop Chainsaw. Yeah, how's, yep. how's that going? How's that going? That is, not to repeat myself, that is a video game. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, uh, it's fine. Like, it's it's fine. I, the visual design is pretty good. The, uh, she is, Juliet is oddly shiny. Like, she... In, in, mm. And that could be a function of the fact that I'm playing it on an emulator. Uh, that could be. But she stands out in, an, in, a, in a slightly strange way. Um, yeah, it, the combat is fine. It's a bit more of a methodical combo system than I tend to like as a button masher by nature. Um, it, it It's not that it's inflexible, it's just... Even when I attempt combos, I can't tell if I'm actually pulling them off because of, you know, how animated everything is. But it's, uh... I don't know if it hates women. Certainly every (laughs) enemy in the game hates women. Uh, (laughs) Oh, sorry, you gave me flashbacks to many years ago of game discussion. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I, I legitimately... And this is... 
Okay. If you, if you're going to uh, put zombies in a game and give those zombies limited power of speech, that's that's a creative choice. One I generally support. However, can we broaden the limited range of speech of these zombies to something past? Oh, I don't know, bitch. They yeah. say bitch yeah, so often. Yeah. And, like, is there a knob we can turn? Is there a bitch knob that I can crank down? <laughs> if I recall correctly, the fight with the zombie voiced by Jimmy Urine um, oh, well, <laughs> says a lot more than bitch. Oh, well, yeah, no, the, the Jimmy Urine uh, of it all is... <laughs> the Jimmy Urine of it all. It's... Mm-hmm. <laughs> So I, I had streamed this a bit, and one of the things that is notable about this as a suit of 51 production is that it's the only one, I think, that traffics pretty heavily in licensed music, I guess, as a result of its Warner Brothers publication and probably James Gunn creatively influencing it a bit. So there are, are some, some tracks in it, like um, Lollipop. In the shop menu, great touch, enjoy it. I am amused by the use of Mickey whenever you turn on your super oh, yeah. mode. Yeah. I forgot about that. That's fun. But the, the upshot of this is that if I'm streaming the game, I need to turn the, the music off, right? Because I don't want to, you know, trip a copyright thing and, and deal with that whole nonsense. The nice thing about this is when I'm playing the game on stream, I hear less Jimmy urine. <laughs> because yeah. he did all of the boss fight music for the game. But, you know, I, when I did start streaming, I was in that boss fight with him. And, and for people who don't know, I'm pretty sure he's hiding out in New Zealand right now because of sex assault allegations. Just throwing that I... out there. Do recall there being uh, allegations. There are allegations. Last Dirty I knew... Boy. Hiding out in New Zealand. Look, I wouldn't be surprised if the man who made his career out of being in a band where he frequently sang about, like, ha ha ha, I'm uh, definitely jokingly singing about sexual assault, ha ha ha, it's it's to an upbeat beat. 12-year-old panty shot? Yeah, I'd say yeah, there's some... I'd be su- so that's a little shocked sus. and surprised. Oh. The game is very boring when you're not fighting things. Like, environmental traversal just feels like a slog. This is mitigated after the first stage, which I realized was as far as I made it when I tried to play previously. Like, I made it, I, 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 I maybe recall the chainsaw run launch thing after the Jimmy Urine fight, but I'm not sure. I can't, I can't say with specificity that I got to the Jimmy Urine boss fight before. The chainsaw dash... It makes traversal sections more entertaining in the ones that are built for it, which is a lot of them after that point. But generally speaking, it's just like, okay, I'm trundling along. She, it, it's, it reminds me a lot of No More Heroes <laughs> whenever I'm going from one place to another. It's just not interesting. But I like rescuing the survivors. That bit is, is a, a fun challenge. And I like how it forces me to assess my approach in terms of dealing with the different zombie types. I do think the zombie types are varied and fun. I enjoyed the farm level where you encounter the zombie chickens and the zombie horses and cows. 
it's not bereft of ideas or anything. Uh, it, it definitely has a style. James Gunn's grubby little fingerprints are <laughs> like <laughs> all fucking overrated. I mean, it's like it's like comparable to Justin Roiland's influence on High on Life, right? Yeah. You really, if you paid any attention to Gunn's career, and I've paid a lot of it, more attention to Gunn's career than I think <laughs> is valid, but um, <laughs> it's, he's everywhere. Like, every time I hear some quippy joke, I'm like, oh, I know where that came from. Um, and and no, it, it wasn't cute to make the joke about the fast zombies, James. It wasn't. It wasn't cute. We all know you did it. It's fine. It's fine. I uh, I interviewed James Gunn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, about Lollipop Chainsaw. Because he liked my review of it. Uh, so did Jimmy Urin, actually. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, I've been wanting to play through these games like you have, Conrad. Mm-hmm. So I've been wanting to get hold, wink, of a copy, wink, of Lollipop Chainsaw and... and take some time to play through it. I don't know if I'd have the same thought thoughts on it these days that I did back then. I fucking loved it back in the day. I was a very different person back in the day. So that was around the time I was coming out of my sort of um, real sort of socially ignorant phase and was trying to do better. Right. And stumbling a lot while trying to do better. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like I was listening to some old recordings and my God, my... Uh, Early attempts about 10 years ago to be more inclusive of um, genders outside the binary. I was so confused, which is fucking funny when you think about it now. <laughs> Our boy Jonathan, though. He's always been on the He tip. was well on yeah. the ball 10 years yeah. ago. He was just well ahead of, of of us on the whole, you know, sex and gender differences and and, every, and performance. and As someone that's been, like, aware of Jonathan for a while, Jonathan's been on it for a long time. Jonathan's... Jonathan knows his stuff. He is very much a lovely boy. He's, he's a good one. We need to get him on this. Not so that I can talk about his, you know, his tight... Can you restrain Tight yourself? little buns. I'd love to restrain him. Um, in a <laughs> consensual kinks scenario. I'm just glad you answered the question so quickly. <laughs> oh, God, I love that boy. Anyway... Yeah, so I'm not sure if I'd have the same read on Lollipop Chainsaw that I did back then, where I did try and argue that, um, oh, I, oh, this is very pro-women. I'd probably be a bit embarrassed if I played it now. My feelings from like having not played it in a while, but thinking about having played it at the time, is it wanted to be a game that tried to present itself as pro-woman by being like, Hey, hey! Terrible things are being said about women, but it's by it's by the bad ones, and you get to beat them up after they say the bad thing. So it's empowering, and it's like eh. okay, Juliet as a protagonist. I have mm-hmm. never seen. No, that's probably not true. But this is the most glaring example I can remember seeing of a character that is a woman that is so obviously written by men yes this is bouncing boobily down the stairs <laughs> level shit thing is like it, it's not that far separated time wise and i think like this and bayonetta are the two things that like bayonetta is still like has its moments of being like breasted boobily down sure. the stairs but bayonetta at the very least like very much leans its weight towards 
anyone who is going to be, like, gross and leery to this female protagonist is going to get fucking destroyed because you are nothing but dirt beneath her foot. And, like, there's there's something to that that's, like, you know, different from the man-right-woman, like, yeah, this is, this is, this is what girl, girls are like, right? There's definitely ones like this out there. It's two very different vibes that feel like they were trying to do the same thing. I'll tell you the other difference, which I've been meaning to do a video on this. There's a reason why a lot of people in, like, feminist spaces, left spaces, what have you, not only accept, but, like, downright embrace and join in on the thirst with games like Bayonetta and Nier. Mm-hmm. Because it's written by guys being, you know, pervy. But they own it so hard and commit so yes. hard to the bit that it's not like Kojima trying to justify it, which is, that's the bit that makes it come off as creepy when you're trying to say, oh, no, there's a real artistic reason I'm doing this, rather than, like, the near director with the big moon for a head, saying, yeah, I just like looking at asses. Yeah, as soon as you stop trying to say, you know, you will be ashamed of your words and deeds, and just mm. go, yeah, tits are good, though. Yeah, like... It's like, you know what, I can respect tits are good. I've tried to make this point before. Like, people accuse um, people on, on the left of being prudes and all of this, and it's like, obviously I know a lot of more progressive folks, uh, and, God, they're among the thirstiest fucking people I could know. They are always horny on main. They're not these prudish censors that are, well, that the Christian right actually are when we actually look at who's doing the censorship. That said, I am concerned that the way men write women with the bouncing boobily down the stairs is exactly the same way that um, James Stephanie Sterling writes James Stephanie Sterling. (laughs) <laughs> Look, it is empowering to write yourself as breastily boobling down the stairs. But that's, yeah, that's your choice. You know, yeah, that's that's you owning that. It's it's different if, you know, a, ro- a, a room of men were like, no, 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 we're going to make you breast boobily down the stairs. In a way, I'm there. my own Hideki Kamiya. <laughs> <laughs> and this, but this discussion brings me to uh, the pseudo move in this one. You know, because we've right. been trying to observe all of these sort of elements in Suda games where he does the thing in an ironic sense or tries to illustrate something, make some statement about it. And I think I found what it is in this one. And mm. it is her ass. <laughs> um, yeah. The game, much like Bayonetta does also, um, perhaps in a more egregious and over-the-top fashion, one could argue, Lollipop Chainsaw delights in shoving Juliet's ass in the center frame of the camera. It is constant. And then what it does is tell you not to look up her skirt. Put something else on the fucking screen then. Don't try to, don't try to guilt me for the thing you did. I can tell you exactly what it is it's doing. It's Miranda in Mass Effect 2, where you get the entire, like, very lengthy conversation about, like, I, I'm actually quite emotionally damaged by the fact that my my father genetically engineered me to be physically perfect in every way, and this causes, like, so many problems around, like, having to live up to this, you know, physical but also emotional perfection. And you're having this conversation, and then the camera just, like, frames right below her ass. And I'm like, mmm, yep. Mm, yep. <laughs> but that's 
that is subconscious male shit. This is very conscious about what they're doing. And it pisses me off. Like, there's no way. You can't stick their ass in front of me five times in a minute, and then... That that one Miranda shot, I think, is very deliberate. It's weird and deliberate. But I, I get you. Uh, anyway, it's 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 playable. It, it's, it has some entertainment value. Um, I think I have one or two levels left to go, and I will probably finish it just so that I can say that I did... Um, I actually, one thing that I will say that I, I do like about it, um, is it does feel very dynamic when it's moving you from one, like, section, you know, closed off area where you're going to fight a bunch of enemies to the next one. There's always some movement, some action that instigates the transition, and that I like. I just, then don't make me walk places, I guess, is what I'm saying. You know, if you're going to do those cool yeah. things, just keep it all tight and compact, and that that those really work for me. But yeah, it's uh, it, it's not that it's without humor. There are things in it that I'm like, okay, that's pretty funny. I like the dad, um, and his sort of Elvisy thing he's got going on. The family as a whole is fine. It's just I feel Juliet is because you get to spend so much time with her. It's frustrating, a little bit. But yeah, it's fine. Game's fine. Moving on. Yeah. Uh, I think the last thing we got on the on the played stuff uh, list, Steph, you've got you've got one other thing you've been playing. Uh, one more thing. Um, so I finished Final Fantasy IV Pixel Remaster. Got through that. Um, and it's again instead of doing the games that I'm supposed to be doing for reviews, I hyperfixated on playing the first Final Fantasy uh, from beginning to end, uh, the Pixel Remaster version. Um, I've started that game before. I've never gotten very far in it historically, so I'm glad I finally played it from beginning to end. And as an artifact, it it remains an interesting game for the the sort of early installment weirdness that it has. The fact that it is just a straight rip off of Dungeons and Dragons, um, <laughs> with regards to like enemies and layout and the way the magic works and all of that. Yeah, I hate the map design on that one like the dungeons and towns are laid out like the first castle cornelia castle the weird fact that it's one half of the castle is not in connected to the other half in any interior fashion and to get to it you've got to get out the castle and then get back in like some of the maps in that game are it's just fucking bizarre there's a lot of backtracking in it, like going back and forth to just go here to learn that you need to do a thing, go there and do it, then come back and finish doing it. Kind of dreary looking back, but it is what it is, and it obviously started the series, saved Square Enix from bankruptcy, so as an influential thing, it's it's well worth it. And I'm glad I played through it the once, but I will never play that one again. Once again, though, gotta praise the rearranged music. The, the new musical score for the remasters. Utterly gorgeous. Like, the music in, in the first game is good. It's not as great as some of the later games in terms of soundtrack. But the remastered version, the, the rearranged music tracks, some of those, like, I've had one stuck in my head for ages. Just this really beautiful version of one of the dungeon themes. And it's, yeah, it's 
the music is so good for the pixel remasters. It's one of the things mm. I'm looking forward to. Like, I haven't played through five yet. And I remember the very first time I played five. Like, there's a reason Battle on the Big Bridge is such a beloved song in uh, sort of the history of Final Fantasy music. Because I remember the first time I played five. I was enjoying it well enough. Then that music struck up as you, like, fought your way across this bridge. And I was like, this is fucking awesome. So I'm really looking forward to hearing the Pixel Remaster version of that. Because so far, it's made already great tunes... It's provided a really nice version of those. And the ones that were so-so, they've turned them into genuinely great tunes. Of all the things to praise with those remasters, the music is absolutely, probably for me, top billing. So yeah, I don't know if I'll have another one to talk about next week, but I am hoping uh, in between projects to get through one apiece. Maybe one a week, that'd be nice. Uh, But I don't know if I've got time. Anyway... That is all the stuff what I played this week. Nice. Um, should we do a couple of little bits of news and then wrap up? Let's do that. A couple of, a couple of little bits. Um, I, I think the main things this week, and they're just sort of, there's nothing too heavy this week. Um, Vampire Survivors is getting a TV show. Mm-hmm. That's happening. There's an animated TV show of Vampire Survivors coming. Uh, I read the press release for this and was like... Uh, there was half a second in which I thought, like, okay, this has to be a joke, and then I was like, no, this is Vampire Survivors, this is very real. Let, let me find, who is it that's wor- uh, uh, that is announced working on this? Um, uh, Sorry, I'm trying to find... Where was the article that had the name? You know, you could just people. say not Steph. I mean, I look, <laughs> that's, that's up to you whether you say not Steph or not. No, I'm... I, people have asked, obviously, and, um... I'm not a member of Ponsel. Uh I'm a freelancer who was brought in to do bestry stuff. Um, there might be more writing on the game for me down the line. That's not confirmed. I will say that while I don't expect to be involved, I don't anticipate being involved with the show in any way. If they wanted that conversation, I'd be fucking delighted. Yeah. I'd be very interested, especially because in terms of like story and characters, uh, the, the the game's playable characters, I've got ideas. Like me and uh, my yeah. co-writer on the the game, Lawrence, like we've both got like loads of ideas. I found the email I was looking for. Yeah, so it's apparently being being re- worked on by uh, one of the people behind the recent Sonic the Hedgehog movie and the writer and creator of John Wick. Which yeah. sure is a couple of things to read about vampire survivors. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, uh, there's, there's potential. I'm, I'm, yeah. I will watch it. Sure, I'll watch it. I have no idea what what it would be, but whatever it is, I'll give it a go. Um, and the other thing for this week, that's just like a, just a neat bit of news, is um, there's a new Forza Motorsport coming later this year, which, not usually my genre, uh, the sort of more serious, uh, you know, racing sims, but for the last couple of years, the team behind the new Forza have been doing consulting uh, with someone called Brandon Cole, who is a fantastic accessibility consultant, who has been basically totally blind since birth, uh, completely sightless since birth, who has been working with them for the last two years to develop a bunch of blind driving assists uh, to help make a a Forza like sim style racing game playable for players without vision, based off things like 
panning the engine audio and tire audios left and right, depending on uh, what what turn you need to be making and like how close it's coming. Sort of beeping sounds that can sort of signal how close you are to the edge of the track. Uh, there seems to be like a you know when rally drivers have like a co-pilot reading like, okay, there's a sharp turn coming up on the left, it's about 45 degrees coming up like this, that all s come together to uh, hopefully make it so that, that more blind players can play a racing game. It's really interesting, it's well worth going and watching the video on Xbox's YouTube channel about this. Some of the things I not even considered were, when you've never seen while being inside a car, things like realising that you need to slow down when going into a turn, are not necessarily intuitive, and finding a way to make the game playable for people who might not have that built-in knowledge and getting over that barrier is like, well done! I'm glad to see we're getting more genres trying to go, how can we use other senses to make this game playable for people who maybe can't see. So that's fucking great. That's just a cool thing that we learned about this week. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. There's just a couple of nice things that happened that's the news. It was nice this week. Oh, I, like, I that. like that. Yeah. I like that. Lighter, uh, fair. Yeah. Well, I think that's I think that's us done then. The news may be light, but the workload of the Laura is often very heavy, but it does result in content that the lovely listeners could check out after the show maybe. Could you maybe tell them about it? Uh, you can you can find all my stuff at Laura K Buzz pretty much everywhere on the internet. I've got that good unified branding. Twitter, Twitch, TikTok, YouTube, Patreon, that's the one that pays the bills. Uh, obviously, look forward to the Access Ability Summer Showcase happening on June 9th at 4pm uh, UK, 11am Eastern, 8am Pacific. Other than that, uh, finally announced, I've been sat on this for a while, Stories of Autistic Joy is uh, my next book. Much like Gender Euphoria, it is an anthology of positive uh, stories from people from a specific minority background who don't often get to talk about what joy looks like for them. Uh, in this case, it is a an anthology of a bunch of autistic people uh, not pretending that there is no struggle, you know, with, with being autistic, but talking about the unique shapes that joy can take for the autistic community. Uh, it's coming out on October 19th, so it's a little ways out, but it's it's starting to pop up on various places where you can pre-order books, uh, so look forward to that. Uh, also, uh, myself and my lovely wife Jane uh, were interviewed for the, the new issue of MCV Develop magazine, uh, which is a sort of game developer-centric uh, magazine. It's available to read free online. The new issue has just come out, and we made the cover. We're mentioned on the cover, so that's exciting. So go go read an interview with, with uh, about who hunts the whale and the state of the games industry. Um, Conrad, what about you? Where are you on the internet? Uh, I'm at Conrad Zimmerman on Twitter and Instagram. You can buy all sorts of cool anti-capitalist propaganda stuff from me at Mercenary Creative. I've got a shirt that says ass on it in huge letters. You should check that out. Um, you can listen to me on Let's Talk About Snacks. Uh, go check out Red Planet, which is a podcast and live stream that I produce with some lovely people about how we can help make the world a better place moving forward. And everything I do online gets supported through Patreon at patreon.com slash fistshark. And you know who else has a Patreon? James Stephanie Sterling. <gasps> hey, uh, oh. I, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
That's me. Um, Patreon.com slash Jimquisition. Uh, that's that Patreon. Uh, I stream. I have actually been getting back into doing streaming um, recently, which I really missed, and I'm glad I've been able to have uh, have the sort of physical wellness and, and time to do it. That's Twitch TV slash Jim Sterling. Uh, my next couple of confirmed wrestling bookings, I'll just do the, the real imminent ones. Uh, May 12th. Uh, fuck that is coming up soon. Uh, May twelfth, Liv- Liverpool, Effie's big gay brunch. Commander Sterling will be in action there. Uh, June tenth, um, unless the card orders changed. I mean, the main event of that uh, that's in Blackpool, Pride of the Ring two, where I'll be defending my PCW Women's Championship against Harley Hudson. Um, and also, I have accepted my first. London booking. I'm finally bringing the commander down south. It's mm-hmm. been a long time coming. Finally, a promotion realised that there's um, tickets to be sold in that. So yeah, it's not officially announced yet, but but keep an eye out for the end of June, around about the end of June. Um, I will be in London for a well, just a very interesting wrestling promotion i'll say that yeah so that's that i uh, hope to see you at any of those shows if you can get there i love to hang out with with fans and that sort of after the show and, and they're always good um other than that thank you all so much for uh listening for supporting for sharing all of that stuff and we will see you next time bye 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 <laughs>